where we fall short is the way we are not honoring neurodivergent people's differences, right? The way we want to put them in boxes uh, because it's easier. And by doing that, they're growing up thinking they should fit into this box as described by professional, so-called professionals. Episode 44, Careers Are Autistic. Welcome to the Autistic Culture Podcast. Each episode, we dive deep into autistic contributions to society and culture by introducing you to some of the world's most famous and successful autistics in history. Before we get started, a quick disclaimer on how we use the word autistic. The purpose of this show is not to diagnose the people or characters we discuss as autistic. While some may have announced being autistic, what we're really sharing here is our observation of what is representative of autistic culture. It can sometimes be difficult for autistic people to celebrate our natural tendencies and traits due to the perception of autism as a disorder that needs to be fixed, a long history of damaging medical interventions to get autistics to fit in with mainstream culture, and protective masking skills many of us have developed to try to stay safe. Whether you are autistic or just love someone who is, your hosts, Dr. Angela Loria, the linguistic autistic. And licensed psychological practitioner, Matt Lowry, welcome you to take this time to be fully immersed in the language, values, traditions, norms, and identity of Autistica. Autistica. Hey, Angela. Hey, Maisie. Matt, we have a guest today. We do. Uh, One of my friends, Maisie. Maisie Sotancho. uh, uh, Did I pronounce your name correctly? Close. It's actually Sotancho. Sotancho. I apologize. That's okay. I've never addressed you by your last name before. Yeah. Uh, It's one of those things where I see your name all the time, but. Uh, yeah. So Maisie's kind of like Madonna. She's just like a one name girl. Yes. Maisie. So we we've, we've known each other for some time and we've we've done a few projects together but I, I would like our dear friend the listener and Angela to know more about you. So what Tell me more about you, Macy. All right. Okay. Here here I go. So my name is Macy Sotantio. I am an openly autistic late diagnosed self-advocate. I am very passionate about advocating for autistic kids. That's actually my training was at UCLA at Young Autism Project as a behavioral intervention. That's how I found autistic kids. And I just really enjoy working with kids. And I left behind ABA after doing it for 10 plus years, because I felt like something was not right and I couldn't put my finger on it, you know? So I left it behind and all my clients stayed with me when I got trained and certified in a a relationship-based approach. So after that, basically at the clinic, uh, I only work with parents to figure out how to support neurodivergent kiddos and I watch my clients grow up and some of them um, finish, manage to finish college and uh, still not able to get a summer job at Domino's, for example, even though he eats, he makes and eats pizza every day because he's a very specific eater, right? This is the way. Right. I was going to say, that's probably some good pizza. I'm just saying. Oh, it's it's good pizza because that's what he makes when we're together. (laughs) But uh, that's why in 2019, I created a nonprofit uh, autism career pathways. And it's mostly, we do our online events. Uh, I love connecting autistic adults with families raising autistic children. I love bringing the community together, educating the community at large. I mean, people who are not touched by neurodivergence uh, because, I mean, to me, uh, meaningful employment looks very different for everyone. And people keep wanting to put autistic and neurodivergent people in boxes and tell us what to do. 
And so my mission has always been about educating whoever wants to listen to me (laughs) in the moment, Mm -hmm. how to have, how to shift that mindset uh, when you are in the presence of an autistic person, because otherwise you're missing out and the world is missing out. Okay, that's it. And that's the thing, because before you knew that you were autistic, who was your old boss? Oh, yeah. So I work with, I started at UCLA and then I didn't want to do research. So I work with Center for Autism and the Related Disorders, which was the biggest autism, autistic, no, behavioral agency. An agency who provides, uh, that provides um, ABA, like from all globally. Mm. So they're huge. Mm. And Mm. I work my way up to become a clinic supervisor. That's why I moved from LA to the Bay Area to open a clinic for my boss. So, you know, so that's just, I'm, I just want to show people that when you are raising a human being or you're trying to support a human being, you have to be human first. Yeah. You were, amazing. Okay. Amazing. Uh, uh, I, correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. You were trained under Ivar Lovas. I was, yes. I was under him and uh, that gave me the foundation. So I, I learned with the clinic as well as through the agency through the car clinic i have a million questions but i have to know like did you lose friends in this transition period like did did you bring people with you or did you lose people or a little bit of both eventually many of the clients that i work with through aba eventually many of them came back to me when i left this program because they felt like there are a few things that they were wondering and they came to me later on. And at that point, those clients were like 12, 14, right? I worked with them when they were little. They were saying, the parents were saying, you know, um, we just don't know how to figure out this, all these things about executive functioning skills and social skills. For example, at school, some of my clients were able to, academically, they were able to learn, right? Whether with minimal support or completely independently to the point that if a professional observed the classroom, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. And now I know that's called masking <laughs> to yeah. the top level masking. Like you won. Uh, right. <laughs> Because again, uh, at the time, you did not know that you yourself was autistic. Yes, correct. But I, 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 I did spend a lot of car, uh, a lot of time in the car. You know, a lot of, a lot of nights with my head down, like crying, and didn't know exactly why. So that happens to my clients too, who were supposed to be success stories through. behavioral program, right? And the parents later on said, well, you know, um, they can speak, but basically when they came home from school, they just need like a complete, like go down into a hole and don't come out (laughs) (laughs) until the next day, you know. Um, That's why the parents were very concerned and they didn't know like is 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 there anything else out there that can fix this problem? Lack of um, desire to connect with people, and also mindful decision makings. You know, and everybody likes to use the word um, executive yeah. functioning. Lack of executive functioning skills. Like, why do we have to keep telling them to do certain things, uh, and they seem to not remember? <laughs> <laughs> they've done it before. You know, all these yeah. questions, my, right? My husband's been asking that question for 10 right. years. Yeah. And this like, is, I guess I'll keep reminding you to eat. I'm like, that's exactly. right. And that's one, of the thing, that's one of the things we talked about in the productivity episode, mm-hmm. that we don't form habits.
habits like neurotypicals do because mm-hmm. that's not how we're wired. Mm-hmm. Everything we do has to be a conscious decision right. and therefore it's exhausting. And uh, mm-hmm. we were talking earlier about how last night I crashed for like 14 hours and that's not a choice. Right. That's my meat body saying, yeah, yeah, we're out of order for a while. Right. We need to restore our energy. Your battery is beyond drain. Right. Correct. And uh, I think uh, a lot of my former clients, some of them I'm still in touch. It's incredible that they're all in their 30s and we still text each other. And, you know, so I also know what goes on, um, you know, behind closed doors when you're you're autistic and you received a very deficit type of program and then suddenly you become a young adult and that what happens when you go through life with uh, trauma through like every day you're people telling you you need to change the way you do things you need to do it this way do of course eventually you get tired you just wait for people to tell you because Whatever you do on your own or whatever decide you, whatever decision you make, it's not honored or it's not good enough. And that sticks. Yeah. Right. And um, so I have clients who are still going through therapy today in his mid 30s, trying to learn about himself when what, what and what it means to be autistic and it, of course, it breaks my heart because when he was three and a half years, I was in that room with him. But then again, I was thinking back. So why are they still in my life at this point? Was I doing something different as an autistic therapist back then? And we have conversations. I have conversations with my former clients who are now adults And um, I was told that, well, you know, I mean, you were very different because like you would just sit on the floor and play trains and you would do a lot of babysitting, you know. So so I just couldn't follow formulas because when you're doing a very specific programming, you know, my brain just doesn't compute that like data taking for example yeah, it was very yeah. hard because I'm I have number dyslexia I have dyscalculia so to be required to take data of like how many times like correct trials I just I did my best but I mean I struggled so I also was placed to work with many non-speaking clients who were dyspraxic because I just, I was just intuitively very good. I refused to accept that this little person can't do or say certain things. It's just, it means we have to change the way we teach this young person. So I, I was given the most challenging cases because I was very patient. I would like find a workaround and that's why I know that spelling to communicate is a real thing because I did that with some of my most difficult, challenging behaviorally and uh, kids who were apraxic. I taught them to use sight words to use. So I was definitely not conventional, you know, that, that was my story. So that's why these people are still in my life today. Because you connected with them on on an autistic level instead of trying to force them to be neurotypical. Right. Yeah. Right. So let's talk about some career stuff. I want to hear, um, we did an episode about Temple Grandin mm-hmm. and one of the things that came up, she has a lot of opinions on autistic careers and how hard autistic people should work to get a job. Get a <laughs> Mowing job. lawns. Get a job. Mow the lawn. Uh, we have many feelings about Temple. You could hear on that episode, but I want to hear your perspective now going, you know, going with these kids from being little to now being mm-hmm. working age. Yeah. Uh, what's your perspective on how do autistic people find careers that are sustainable 
economically as right. well as um, socio. So, so this is uh, a big topic. So, if I don't actually answer your question, please feel feel free to redirect me <laughs> because this is, you know, Matt knows this. One of those questions that get me so pissed, and I just <laughs> go like, "Woo!" Twelve different, oh, different rabbit holes. We like, <laughs> so we like to demonstrate amazing. So we yeah. we demonstrate yeah. different aspects of the autistic language this as part of our right. culture. And so amazing is welcome, but we will also keep you on track. Okay, <laughs> where do we fall short when it comes to preparing autistic? kids to grow up and become the best that they can be, right? Where do we fall short? Is it the parents' Optimally fault? autistic. If you want to yeah. blame, put a finger, I mean, blame someone. Are these parents' fault? Are these the professionals' fault? Or is it the autistic people's fault, right? So, I mean, you can put the blame uh, game all you want, but I think... Um, where we fall short is the way we are not honoring um, neurodivergent people's differences, right? Ooh. The way we want to put them in boxes uh, because it's easier. And by doing that, they're growing up thinking they should fit into this box as described by professional, so-called professionals, educators and my parents, <laughs> right? Parents, they're trying to do their, the best that they can, the, can, the best that they can. Um, but, you know, the information given to families, I think, prevent the family to figure out how to function together as one unit. You know, the autistic person lives with other probably neurodivergent people also. So I think professionals who are hired to support one autistic person within the family unit is also not thinking about the big picture. Everything is about putting out fire in the moment because of course parents come to a therapist saying, how can I make my child sleep better at night, for example, because we're all exhausted. Well, not being able to sleep, it's probably because you're, you're feeling very anxious going through the day and you still replaying it in your head. Like, what did I do things correctly? That anxiety that little people can't just shut off. Right. And Absolutely. then, right. And then also typically, especially parents of newly diagnosed neurodivergent kids, they don't just have one professional. They're told in order to be a good parent to a neurodivergent young person, you have to hire this team of professionals to listen to them. So the moment parents receive a diagnosis for their child, they lose sense of their intuitiveness to parent where that actually, I have goosebumps saying this, that's actually, I mean, one of the most foundational thing because we're raising a human being. Maybe you have a different child who is very cranky and colicky. You don't know, you don't, but at the end of the day, that professional who you pay to tell you what to do, that professional is not living with you, Right. So specific to autism, we say autism is a dynamic disability where not just every day is different, moment to moment is different, right? So who else will support the young person to figure it out but parents? Because as parents, we love our kids like forever, you know, they're ours forever, right? And yet parents are being given so many conflicting recommendations, uh, parents have people coming in and out of their home. It's chaos. They are, you know, to raise an autistic child is also already very chaotic. And then you bring in people scheduled to come to your house, you know, doing whatever they're trained to do, right? And your child has milestones 
created for neurotypical kids that it doesn't matter how hard you can mask or how hard you're, how smart you are, you know, how capable you are to mimic neurotypical behavior. We love hearing from our listeners. So head over to this episode on Substack and leave us your comment. It's autisticculture, all one word, .substack.com. That's autisticculture.substack.com. So let's pair that to careers. What happens then in like, how do we find healthy careers? What does that mean? Well, I think an ideal career for neurodivergent people are the ones that really honor your identity as a neurodivergent person, right? And that process starts from your parents, like how your parents help you and support you. So this is where I can say through my own experiences as an autistic person, my my mom was very different because my mom had uh, a minimally speaking little sister uh, with Down syndrome. So in our family, to watch radical acceptance in the true sense, I watched that, right? Because my auntie is the queen. She is still the queen. <laughs> Whatever she wants, it goes, you know. So I think the, the recipe, that process of nurturing um, your identity, nurturing your special interests, uh, starts from very early on. And that's the foundation um, like for someone like me to know, okay, well, I don't understand a lot of things pe- when people people talk about, it, but my mom taught me, if you don't understand, you just keep asking until you find the answer or find someone who can teach you the way that you're learning it. That's yes. what my mom told me. <laughs> And this goes into, as as you well know, the the title of our of our podcast is the Autistic Culture Podcast, right? Because we see autism as a culture. But one of the things that we are working on uh, is a multicultural definition of autism, because autism is present across cultures, and this is one of your uh, particular. Uh, interests of uh, identifying autistic culture, especially in Asian and Pan-Asian communities, correct? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, so so tell us about all this kind of stuff, because I love trying to figure out what the core autistic culture is when it's expressed so differently. And there's so many different expectations across all of these different areas. So uh, what, what all have you experienced? And tell us about your research, your personal life, all of this stuff, because I personally find it fascinating. Well, autistic passion or special interests, some people call that special interests. Uh, I, I'm not the only one autistic in my family. So when I was little, I uh, used to help my dad, who was very fascinated with stamp collecting. Like he would, <laughs> he would take me to these places and he would bring home boxes of these old stamps. And I would sit on the floor with a magnifying glass and I would have the, the these thick books where, you know, dictionary, stamp dictionary. Did you even know? I, I'm sure that's not what it's called, but basically my job was to find what uh, if this these stems have any values at all, because in these books that you can find, like some very stems are very expensive if they're a misprint, for example, right? So yeah, limited yeah. edition. So my dad tried to bring me into it. My brother wouldn't have anything to do with it, but my brother's thing is cars, and oh, that's a whole yeah. different story. But so, so, and then my dad inter- also introduced me to stamp. I mean, not uh, to sports, sports watching. So I'm terrible. I was terrible at doing sports because I was very poorly coordinated. And my parents uh, told me, okay, just, it's okay if you can't ride a bike because I tried so hard, but I 
my knees are all battered. Like every day I would fall off the bike. So they told me, stop. It's okay not to be able to ride a bike. But then um, my dad introduced me to sports watching. So I grew up uh, watching Muhammad Ali, uh, this uh, Williams sister tennis, you know, and uh, it actually, I'm only interested in math when it comes to sports statistics to today. <laughs> mm-hmm, nice. Okay. I was listening to sports radio just while I was waiting for you to get ready to, for this interview, you know, but these, these autistic passions, you know, if little kids have that, whether it's sensory driven or collecting different, like you collecting things like my dad, uh, you know, I think they, they are a serious thing that needs to be nurtured because it serves a function for that person, you know, and also it helps you to connect with each other within that family unit. And that's also how you find your own community later. Right. So this is the way that's the way. Mm -hmm. So it really bothers me so much when autistic play is always like changed by therapists who think that uh, that's not appropriate place, like lining cars, you know, like, or always having two cards in your hand. And then you don't want to write in school because you would rather hold your metal cars. My brother was like that. He is, he runs a very successful auto it's not just auto details, it's expensive car detailing. That's what he does. He takes his family, travel to Germany, to Europe every year to look at new cars. Wait, wait, I have to tell this story. Uh, I know that, I know that, um, Twitter now X is sort of a toxic place, but there's this guy that I follow on there who thinks he's neurotypical. He's not right. um, newsflash. And the autistic community needed to share that with him this week. So, okay, Matt, this is not the guy for you to follow, <laughs> but I promise you he's amazing. Ah. He does men's fashion. Uh. And I'm like, not why I'm not into men's fashion. Like, but he does these commentaries on men's suits that are just incredible. Mm-hmm. They're so detailed. Yeah. Wait a like, minute. I didn't what know his name because I've been getting weird YouTube recommendations for that kind of stuff. <laughs> I, I, I think I the algorithm has recognized it. It's like guy or something. Anyway, his stuff is so good. I follow it. I like share it with my son. I'll find you his name in a second. We'll put it in the show right. notes. But um, so anyway, so somebody called him. There was an autistic person who was commenting on this like robust commentary on somebody's suit. And they said, wow, you're you're a fashion autist. Mm. And um, and so then he commented back, like, I think you mean artist or something. <laughs> and they're like, no, no, no. You, wait, that's you're, funny. You're autistic. So then he goes on this ableist <laughs> rant oh, and God. he's like, how stupid are these autistic people calling themselves autists? Like, this is so dumb. Who would want to go to a a medical autist instead of a doctor or who would want to go to a car autist instead of a mechanic mm-hmm. and 9,000 autistic people are like me. I would only yeah. yes. want to go like my car detailer is absolutely autistic. And the yeah. guy who changes my tires and right. my doctor is for sure autistic. And then everyone started coming up with these names. So an auto autist, right? Uh, an autist and a lawyer <laughs> autist, yeah. a lotist. Right. Oh, I like and that. So there is the best thread yeah. on Twitter. I'm going to share That's with you guys fun. about every possible name. And yes, that is, we want, if it is your special interest, yeah. there is no one we want more than you. And this guy 100% yeah. is autistic. That is why he is so good at fashion. He sees details I didn't even know existed. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, Cause that's the thing with our, with our special interests, who's going to do better. Uh, the, I, I tell the story a lot about the, the guys who put in my heater, uh, clearly autistic, right. relatives of autistic people that I know, <laughs> came in, you know, 
worked for 45 minutes, the, the cloud with the saws and the hammers, cartoon right. style, everything mm-hmm. at a right angle, everything perfectly done. Right. And I save a hundred bucks on my heating bill every month because mm-hmm. that's all they do. Yeah. Right. And, and who would do it better? Who would care more mm-hmm. to do it better? And um, yeah, so this guy tried to shame us and we're all like, mm, <laughs> no, no, not having it. Nice try, my friend, well, nice try. So if you ask me, what is your advice for parents of autistic kids so that you can support this person and to have a good career in the future, Right. So that's a good question. I would say instead of trying to change the way your autistic child uh, like play, right? Introduce also into your autistic child's life what you're interested in because more likely than not, you're also a neurodivergent yourself. Fancy that. Don't Mm. lose your sense as an interesting human being, a curious human being, when you have an autistic child. In fact, you should bring your interests into your child's life the way my dad did it, taking me to STEM auctions on a weekend <laughs> and making me, but because that's that's his love language and he's inviting yeah. me into it, right? He's so, sharing his culture with you. Yes, and I became part of his ritual and we... I didn't mind it because I also learned like, hey, I'm actually really good at finding a little crooked or unfinished line on a little piece of stamp. I, it, beca- it, be- it became our thing, plus the sports watching, you know. That's wonderful. Uh, so I think in order to parent a human being, autistic or not, you have to be an author- the most authentic person. Instead Ooh, of unmasking. So instead of changing yourselves to be this other ideal parent defined by people you pay <laughs> or yeah. whoever funds the program. No, because even with neurotypical babies, they take a lot of times, hours and hours every day to learn. Autistic people need to be afforded the same thing. Right. Mm. You don't just change overnight. Right. And this is the thing about this, you know, this mythical ideal that people are selling you, because uh, like you said, for instance, like people, ableists often say back in my day, there wasn't such no thing as no autism when, when, you know, stamp collecting. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah. Well, we didn't have Minecraft back in the day, but we, we certainly had other outlets. Oh, yeah. And this is this is the thing about it going back to the beginning of time. We, we have had this autistic culture that is ingrained in our DNA that we, we have certain ways that we do things. And when we teach our children our ways instead of because, like you said, if you pay a whole bunch of professionals who say, do this, do this, do this, do this, it's going to stress out the parent and the kid. Kid, causing a terrible relationship between the t- parent and the kid, yeah. which causes, which exacerbates right. all the other problems. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. And I think when you pay professionals, at the end of the day, you still have to figure out how to implement the recommendations. And yeah. I think if you work with professionals who are not affirming, it's almost like you're given a manual in a foreign language. You don't know. I mean, I have so many books because I'm a parent to neurodivergent people, but it's not that simple, right? I mean, you have to follow your gut feeling in the moment and you do the best that you can and it will be okay. You know, it's not going to be perfect, but but there's so much fear. Right. I mean, I even going back to like mm-hmm. when I was in labor, right? Before I even had my baby, there were doctors and nurses like screaming in my face. Really? Like I had a well, yeah, saying like if you don't get the epidural, oh, yeah. you're gonna kill the baby. <laughs> like the baby's gonna die. Right. Like, the, like and so when you get this diagnosis, yeah. you have a two-year-old, you get this diagnosis and they're like, early intervention is key and right. you must do this. It feels like I don't have, like, 
what I remember yeah. that pressure of when I was in labor, here's the right, right way to labor. Here's the right way to have a baby right. or my baby's going to die. Right. And now you have a two-year-old and they're like, if they don't get a speech language pathology right now, six hours a day, they'll never have a job. Right. They're never going to... That is terrifying because if That's you right. miss the window and they lean into that, yeah. right. right? If you miss the window, window? then my kid is never going to get a job or, and yeah. it's going to be my fault right. Right. because I didn't do it when I could have done it. So it's hard. I mean, like, it sounds very nice to be like, oh, trust yourself, be authentic. But you're like, at my child's expense, I, I think it's like how people get into religion they're yeah. like, well, I'll just pray just in case if there is a hell, that way I won't go there. It's like, well, just in case I'll send them to six hours yeah. of ABA. Yeah. Well, a lot of brainwashing. Yeah. That's right? A lot of brainwashing for parents and it makes the future look so hopeless and you actually yeah. ignore mm -hmm. your gut feeling. I mean, really. Yes. So, so here's how my autistic brain also works, right? I, I'm very curious and I want to find the answer. And I know every person needs different answers. And if I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't um, give up. Uh, and how I learned that. So I created this program when I was working, doing the relationship program. I invited families to stay, not with me at my house, but they come, families come from all over the world and I stay with them for five days from either 9 to 3 or 3 p.m. to 9 p.m. because I want to see with my own eyes <laughs> um, like how this dynamic works like how data collection yes mm. but in the autistic way because i i learned so much that if i work with a client who has self-injurious behavior or aggressive behavior and um you know i prescribe something do this don't do that you know um i i felt like that's not Correct. That's it's not right, you know. Be, without me being able to see how things unfold right in front of my eyes, I learned so much. Right, just helping parents to trust themselves as a, a person who's caring and loving and slowing down and just teaching them to go back to the basic as a human being. That was the most helpful thing. Like from mm. Monday to Friday, we saw so much differences because I was just undoing things, undoing things, undoing things throughout the week. And we worked together to come up with, to look for opportunities that suits the parent and the autistic child. And they even, for people who have pets at home, they came with their dog. And we stayed, yeah, we stayed at this, you know, homestay suites or something with has the kitchen mm. and I'm with them. I don't do that anymore because it was exhausting. There was but it was a period of a couple of years where I learned so much and I understand what it means to be like a parent myself and as a professor it changed me as a person first and how I think of myself as a parent and also as a professional, you know. So that's what I, when I do uh, online classes, design courses, that's basically my message. I'm not, you know, right. I can't tell people what to do. <laughs> C coming at it from an approach yeah. that works for the people rather than having this one size fits all colonizer vibe that says, I know exactly what you need and you should exactly. do the things in my way. Right, right, right. As always, this podcast is free and it will remain free, but we do now have a paid subscription over on our Substack page, which we wanted to tell you about. It includes lots of extras like private Q&A calls with Matt and I, our book club with our favorite book picks and discounts in our Tee Public store. You can check out all the goodies over on our Substack page at autisticculture.substack.com.
know if I answer your question or not. Did I? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not. This is the way. It's not. This so is the way. Talking, well, we are talking a lot about kids. So I want to uh-huh. just focus. I mean, I get how it transcends, right. but I want to focus on what you do at Career Pathways. Autism Career Pathways, yeah. And yeah, exactly. Autism Career yeah. Pathways. And uh, what what do I do now? Like if I am an adult, because it turns out children with autism become adults with autism. Right. And not, it's a crazy thing. I'll tell you about it later, mm-hmm. Matt. You'll be very fascinated. Um, and so if you maybe didn't have that opportunity, maybe your parents didn't know you were autistic or you were raised under, uh, you know, a different kind yeah. of parenting regimen. What do we do now as adults if if people are listening? And yeah. maybe we have a lot of listeners who struggle <laughs> to keep a job. One listener wrote to us and she talked about how she, ha- she hates her job. It's super toxic, mm-hmm. but she has to keep right. it because otherwise she'll lose her kids. Right. So what, what are you, what do you advise? Well, those I think uh, if you're autistic and you're looking for a job or you want to know why you're fired again <laughs> and yeah, not, by no, the way, not I, knowing why I was, I was fired 11 times. Oh, 11 wow. times and surprised every time right. like why thought, thought i was yeah. getting a promotion yeah was sure yeah. of it thought they were gonna invite me to be the ceo and then i'd yeah. get fired i've been, cor- like, been correcting my boss every week for a month i'm sure that they <laughs> right. love my input it, it helps them do their job better. right yeah well but i'm still confused even when you say it as a joke i'm like why would you not want that input i want it as right. a boss right like, well i i think my advice would be to invest in yourself, like find resources, whether it's autistic written books, if that's the way you can learn it, learn yourself through autistic written books, for example, YouTube channels, another one. I think if you say a lot of I don't know, it's probably because no, you haven't been guided as an autistic person. So you got to find some ways, find someone, a platform that you feel like, okay, I get it slowly. You know, that's the beauty of online stuff. You can always go back 10 times mm. until you... And you do you, do I remember correctly? You have a course or do you Yeah, do so I, I'm a curriculum designer. So I try to do two big events every year Matt and I did one earlier this year. I just finished another one for autistic job seekers and companies and businesses last week. Those are the two where I basically bring together autistic neurodivergent voices and we work together to uh, to design an interesting event. We always use video clips, we use photos, uh, we pre-record. So during the hour and a half to two hour session, uh, like Matt and I could actually answer people's questions. So I think that it's very productive. Um, and I wish, I want to do that. I wish I can do that every month, you know, yeah. obviously. It, <laughs> yeah. Honestly, it was the closest thing that I've ever had to throwing a party. So right. yeah, getting a whole bunch of people together to listen to my special interests and being able to talk while listening at the same time. That's, right. That was a neat, I like the approach. It's yeah. very cool. So, okay. What was the question? Uh, it's <laughs> like, uh, what, going back to, cause this is an important question about like your career as an autistic person. I would say number one is figure out uh, if you have all the means and if you have an ideal work condition, what does that what does that look like? Because every day is a little bit different. I think if I invest in myself to learn that, to figure out answers that work for me, I have to write it down, record it so that I have my own template. So create your own template, template based on your own neurotype and how you decompress, what's an ideal uh, work-life balance as an autistic person, uh, because every day is different, right? And fortunately, if you're an, a very artistic person, you can find, you can shift gear. Maybe you're trained as an accountant and you 
experienced severe burnout. So now you're exploring, like, I'm very artistic, you know, well, you can combine accounting with your artistic talent, obviously, you know, and make a better world, like a better option where you can do, use your skills with your artistic talents or specific talents or interests and you create it. So you have, I think you have to define it yourself first because you have to disconnect your own perception defined by other people all your life. So whether you work with, invest in yourself working with a therapist who's affirming and you can redefine yourself basically because to be able to sustain a job, you have to be your true self, you know, and learn from people who are like you. And through social media, we have that, fortunately. Yay. That's why we, I love, I'm trying to find um, an autistic uh, fan art or ma- manga artist to lead an online group for autistic teens. Because I work with autistic teens who are so incredibly talented. I think because uh, I saw your post and I think I might have somebody for you, but uh, it's one of those things of I'm I'm quite terrible at what I do. And I'm like, I see the walls behind you and I'm in all of them. But yeah. overcoming that initial hesitancy right. of, but people will see my work. Oh, my. Well, yeah. I, I'm very good at helping other autistic people, uh, like getting them ready to share about their talent, you know? So I love building homegrown businesses because that's really, yeah, go ahead. I want to flip the, uh-huh. s- flip the script a little uh-huh. bit and ask you about business owners. Okay. So what are things that businesses, what are opportunities you think businesses might be missing mm-hmm. in order to, first of all, is there a benefit to making your workplace friendlier for autistic people? And then what are they, what are the opportunities that they're missing and not doing that make it not a great choice? That's like three part question. So just ask me. Okay. 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 So so, (laughs) what should business owners do? If you are a small business owner, right, you have to do everything yourself like every day and you have piles of paperwork and stuff like at corners of every room <laughs> in your business the not things that are not being done because you ju- just don't have time those are actually great uh positions for neurodivergent people to come in and help you do it so i know Many, many small business, the mom and pop shop in the community, most of them don't have an Instagram account or, you know what I mean? They just don't know. Mm -hmm. They're too busy to learn it and they, you know, maybe have enough business. But imagine if you can reach out to more people by hiring a neurodivergent social media marketer for you. And as an autistic ADHD person, I do much better if I have projects. So I'm, if I'm a uh, social media manager, uh, you know, I would do very well running uh, projects for five different businesses. For example, where I come in and take pictures and maybe do a little interview, you know what I mean? So that's, you can reach, you can build your business and reach more people and be up to date to how people do it if you hire autistic people you know and so so uh, my nonprofit and what do business owners do wrong that make it not a safe place or make them want to fire autistic no people? I, I it's not that they do anything wrong they just don't know what they don't know and yeah. so what are Ooh. some of those Ooh. things oh that's a good phrasing right. i like that because yeah. They don't know what they don't know because they're not touched by neurodivergence in any ways, right? They're not autistic own. So they're just doing, they're in all in cruise control. I think we get into that cruise control mode and we just don't see the opportunities yet unless someone points it out, you know. And really the way autism and neurodivergence is being represented today, it's all misinformation, So when Mm. a business owner 
maybe is being asked, have you ever considered hiring or maybe doing like an internship, maybe with just one neurodivergent person, then they're automatically thinking, oh, we don't have time to do that. This person, this intern is going to take so much time, take away time for my business. That means less money. Right. So you are, that's the way neurodivergence is being represented. You know, it's Mm. not correct. Uh, And I work with so many neurodivergent people who can do things that I never would have dreamed to be able to do. Right. But they're doing it in their own ways. Right. And I think uh, we need to change that somehow. Maybe winning a couple of lotteries. <laughs> I mean, man, I talk about this. Man, what would we do if we win a, not just one lottery, a couple? Maybe yeah, more. seriously, because <laughs> you yeah, know, doing so much for community outreach, because that's the thing about, especially with a nonprofit, it, in order to help the people who need it the most, we, we need funding to be able to help the people who have no funding. And right. that's that's a tricky part because very there tricky. are... There are a, a few autistic people who do have access to some good money that uh, are, are willing to use it to supplement the people right. who do not have money. But unfortunately, we we live in a world because of the misunderstanding, because of the lack of awareness, and because they think that we're some sort of mythical creature like a chupacabra, they don't <laughs> understand what we need and how to best support us. Right. So there are a lot of underemployed autistic people who mm-hmm. have been rejected time yeah. and time and time and right. time again. Right. So they have this learned helplessness going on. So, right. and, But they need these services, and we need a way to supply the services, yeah. but we need mel- multiple lotteries to fund that. Yeah, exactly. And and the thing about preparing autistic people to be career ready, what's the point if opportunities are not there? Serious yeah. opportunities. I wish businesses and companies actually come out and say, we want to hire autistic people to work here. Why can't they have that on the job posting? Honestly. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, we talked uh, a long time ago uh, at one of the trainings about how uh, oh, St. Cloud, uh, Alex St. Cloud, I believe, the head of Wild Tangent, was talking about how great it is to hire autistic people for the purpose of exploiting us. Because mm. he made this gigantic PowerPoint presentation where uh, he he said, yeah, they'll work long hours and you can push them as hard as you want and they won't fight back. And you can say that their girlfriends won't like it because, again, he's very sexist in that regard. And, of course, he put this online for everyone to see and mm. then, due to the backlash, took it down. But if you go on the Wayback Archive, you can still find it because right. the Internet never forgets. And we, right. we might be able to link to that in the show notes because I'll, I'll give it to you. Yeah, but, I think – what did we talk about? that in the productivity episode i think that's where yeah, it came up yeah 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 and and this is a thing because there there are some people who look to hire us to exploit us but mm-hmm. we need people who look to hire us to understand us because we we offer a remarkable benefit if we are treated properly mm-hmm. and we we won't burn out <clears throat> if we are given the leave that we need if we are given the energy that we need if we are given the respect yeah. that we need yeah When autistic people find a special interest, they go deep and have a lot of knowledge, even if they don't have that formal education background to go with it. If you want to capture your spin in a book, check out Angela's work at differencepress.com, differencepress.com, and find out more about becoming an author and establishing your credibility with a book. Continuing to answer that question about what to do if you're an autistic employee or looking for a job, I think invest in in yourself and find other autistic people who work in the same field or similar field so that you can learn to uh, more about how to self-advocate within those particular field. And, you know, if, if, you find a job that makes you feel horrible and treat you really, really bad. That's not the job you want anyone anyways, right? So there are companies and small businesses who just have more compassionate compassion so you can advocate. You, you actually don't have to say I'm autistic. 
in order to advocate. So it's going back to investing in yourself and knowing who you are so you can advocate authentically, right? Because people will see you, your skills and talents and uniqueness. And if you find a trusted person at your job, whether it's a coworker or supervisor, you know, build that connection first. I would say find a connection, find a confidant at work that you can um, slowly opening up, you know, because then that person can become an ally for you, right? So don't change yourself because of the job. You know, you have to be able to be yourself. I mean, that's autistic or not. So Mm. that's what our nonprofit want to do, hopefully, over time, is to build this platform where it's autistic, neurodivergent, contributed. So that's our dream anyways, when we win the lottery. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And again, you know, that's that's one of those things, because I hear that that project you're working on might involve a person who is me. So, (laughs) uh, yeah. Right. Next year, right. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. So we're working on that and we're going to find ways to teach autistic things. And uh, with the advocacy stuff, one of the thing, one of the upcoming presentations that you'll be doing is, uh, again, teaching people autistic centered therapy with that guy who is me. And right. we'll be doing some neat stuff with that. Yeah, I think we pick a theme of autistic problem solving. Oh, yeah. At a, across lifespan. Yeah. You know, yeah. And uh, there's all kinds of neat stuff coming up. And uh, you just did a, a presentation with Lyric Rivera from Neurodivergent right. Rebel. And that that sounds really, really cool. Yeah, yeah. We had 60 students from Oklahoma State University who came. Mm-hmm. Actually, they have to attend mandatorily. <laughs> like, they're all there <laughs> with their professor. <laughs> it was great. I loved it. I, I like that the professor put them all in a box like a clown car and dropped them off. And yeah, that's, <laughs> and they, but at least they learned. That's they learned. The and also they pay for the tickets. I really Ooh, appreciate nice. that. That's the other thing. Another input for, I mean, tip for autistic advocates, you know, don't sell yourself short. So a lot of, we have to change the way we are perceived, right? Yes. So a lot of companies, uh, they just bring in an autistic person to do a presentation and we don't even get paid to do it. You know, don't sell yourself short because, you know, we are more than worth it. We are more than worth it. That's, I I think that that self-advocacy and that self-valuation is an important part of learning autistic culture and learning who we are and just not being taken advantage of because we, the corporate culture does take advantage of a lot of people. And we, if you have skills that are not replaceable, you need to, you know, know them, but yeah. Right. But uh, right now we're reaching time. So I I want to thank you for coming by because you have been a fascinating guest. So I want to ask you a big question. Okay. What is your favorite part about being autistic? Um, I love my creative ideas. I, you know, it's just nonstop. (laughs) I I don't think medication can help this brain. I mean, in a way that I'm very creative. I've always been, you know, but, uh, I think that's, uh, the best part of me as a neurodivergent person is like, I, I'm very good at giving people ideas and making my own ideas, Mm. you know, and I, I'm also very good at connecting with people, other human beings, whether they're neurotypical or neurodivergent. So I can navigate that. That's my strength. And I think I can do all that because I was raised by a neurodivergent family, you know, Mm. so they really, taught me how to do the dance. That's a dance, right? (laughs) How to do the dance. And this was because I was raised totally, Mm. totally. Um, Yeah. Such a gift. Matt and I do not share that experience. So we (laughs) appreciate you passing that wisdom on to us. Not how either of us grew up. (laughs) Hopefully the future. Hopefully, yes, and that that's is true. what we're doing for our sons. Right. So, um, I'll drink to that, yes. right? 
for a better future. Here is for a better future for all autistic people. Maisie, thank you so much for being with us. Such a great conversation. Matt, thank you for bringing Maisie to our show. So have a great week, everyone. Please share your comments uh, on our uh, Substack page if you can. If you can't figure out how to comment on Substack, that's fine. Track us down on Twitter or on any of your favorite social medias. We would love to hear from you and rate and review the show on your favorite podcast app. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Autistic Culture Podcast. If you like this show, you can help other people find it by taking a few minutes to rate and review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You can find out more about writing your book with me at differencepress.com. That's difference, D-I-F-F-E-R-E-N-C-E, press, P-R-E-S-S.com. Or getting a psychological evaluation or consult with me at www.mattlowrylpp.com. That's M-A-T-T, Matt Lowry, L-O-W-R-Y, L-P-P, as in licensed psychological practitioner.com. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. And remember, no one ever changed the world by being like everyone else. Special thanks to our content manager, River Robbins, and Aaron Stoner, our producer for making us look and sound good. Thank you.